0: TG and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80, the zone. Big football weekend on the way. PK's in Southern California. It's Utah and USC tonight. Who is going to win? For that matter, who's going to win in that BYU-Washington game? Who's going to win? when Utah State goes to San Diego State Saturday night. Uh, We got an interesting tweet coming in from Jake here. I can maybe see a state sweep this week. Washington and USC aren't great this year. The Utah State offense versus the San Diego State defense will be must-see TV. I give Washington the highest chance to win, then San Diego State, then USC, but I really do see all three in-state teams winning. That'd be awesome if that that were the case. Uh,
1: I don't know about that.
0: Oh, really? I, I think yeah. I think I agree with him. Washington is the most likely to beat an in-state team. And we just were talking about that we feel most comfortable with the Utah over USC pick, which would leave San Diego State in the middle. All right, we can get to that later in the show. Right now, let's talk with Kyle Gunther, former Utah offensive lineman. It's the red and the blue. We talk to you and the Cougar every Friday. We just had Brian Keel on, and now here comes Kyle Gunther to talk about the Utes at USC. What's your confidence level, right like right now, on a on a scale of one to a hundred? How much do you feel like your Utes are going to get her done tonight?
2: I'm I'm over 90 percent, but I felt confident before the year that this would be the time that the Utes finally going to win in the Coliseum. They haven't done it in a hundred years, but. You could see this building a year ago when USC quit on its coach, when USC, the players reportedly quit on JT Daniels, and then you saw what BYU was able to do to Keaton Slovis last week, just playing zone coverage, just staying in front of receivers, and he looked like a freshman quarterback last week, and defense overall is not in the same stratosphere as the Utes. BYU can't stop the run right now, and, and the Utes can. So you're going to see USC's running game almost eliminated. But their running game is predicated all on the delay, draw, handoff, and, and trying to build a throw game. So USC's receivers are still very talented. But BYU showed you last week, if you keep them in front of you and make solid tackles, then USC's just not going to have four or five big explosive plays. But I thought USC would struggle early on, and I thought they'd lose to Utah, maybe Washington, and Notre Dame. And you're going to see those players mutiny on Clay Helton. They're trying to figure out what their AD situation is. Half the board of trustees want Urban Meyer. Half of them don't. It is a dumpster fire at, in L.A. at the Coliseum with the Trojans right now.
1: Wow, so you're picking Utah in a blowout?
2: No, no well, certainly. Blowouts are they're very difficult to come by. But the Utes have shown that they have an extra gear now that, uh, that, that USC does not have. Uh, and I'm going to go back to the play. The Brian Thompson 82-yard pass against Idaho State is a great, it's a great example of that. Uh, the Utes had not shown that deep ball. The deepest throw that they had tried to make was to a tight end at this point on the crossing route. And the, the play where Brian Thompson scored, he split out wide to the left. Damari Simpkins has split out wide to the right. The Utes have two tight ends on the field. And you could clearly see that Idaho State had watched their film and they had a single high-safety look, and they thought the Utes are not going to throw this deep ball because the safety went with Demari Simpkins, who was crossing the field on an intermediate route. The safety didn't even look at Brian Thompson. Now, obviously, Tyler Huntley did. He threw a beautiful ball, but that will change the way that you defend the Utes now because the Utes have put that play on film. Tyler Huntley, as we discussed, I mean, there's no reason to throw a deep ball against BYU or Northern Illinois because the Utes are running the ball so well but you have to fill that wrinkle so that USC will defend it. So now that USC has seen that play on film, if they go with a single high-safety look and they see Brian Thompson split out wide to the left, that safety has to honor the deep ball now. You don't have to throw five of them every game. You've got to throw one or two a month, and the D coordinators will design their game plan around stopping that now. So what the youth have now against USC is an ability to open up those intermediate routes because I, I think USC will begin to respect the deep ball.
0: Kyle Gunther, former Utah offensive lineman, joining us. Uh, You clearly have gone back and watched film. And I've talked to some other people. We've had him here on the show who said, USC misses too many tackles. They are not bringing Moss down. He's having a big game. Do you buy it?
2: Zach Moss is so hard to tackle. And, yeah, USC's got some issues. They missed some tackles against BYU. And uh, I think BYU's run game really surprises people. And it's because BYU's line is very good. I think Tyson Williams is a good running back. But uh, look at the very first play of the game against Idaho State for Zach Moss. That play is a TFL against a lot of teams. But uh, if you remember, Zach Moss spun outside of the player they're optioning. The the read option in, in Utah's offense and really any spread offense, it's predicated around not blocking the weak side defender. A lot of times that's a defensive end or an outside rusher. So you leave him unblocked because you option him. If he goes to the quarterback, you hand it off. If he goes to the running back, the quarterback keeps it. Well, the look was clearly to give, and Zach Moss spun backwards around him and ran for, I don't know, 20 yards or whatever it was. That just shows that Zach Moss is on another level. I know Idaho State is not as talented as USC, but those guys can still tackle. Zach Moss is going to potentially lead the nation in broken tackles. I think he's already up there in terms of yards after contact, so USC is going to struggle stopping Zach Moss, but... Utah is a better team, uh, and, and Utah cares more. USC does not care, and I, I wouldn't say that about a team unless they lost five of six down the stretch last year. You can't do that on accident when you're as talented as USC. So I think the Utes have got to figure out how to use their tight ends better, and, and maybe that's not the right way to phrase it, how to hide their tight ends better. Uh, and other than that, uh, the youth are going to run the ball all over USC, and I think that's going to be the game plan, to play keep away, because USC's best strength right now is their ability to score quickly, and they could be down 14-3 to 3, and all of a sudden make one throw to Michael Pittman and it'll feel like USC's back in that game. So uh, I, I feel like Zach Moss is going to have 1,000 a, a yards in the next couple of weeks total, uh, and, and he's maybe the best running back to ever play at Utah.
1: You look at – Huntley—he's been absolutely brilliant. I mean, we all agree on that. Nothing short of brilliant. How true is it as the schedule turns tougher?
2: Okay. Every year, Tyler Huntley has dominated the non-conference. Remember his sophomore year—he lit up, you know, I don't know, Podunk and San Jose, and then you know he got he got hurt against Arizona, uh, and you know everybody said, "Well, his stats were so great before he got hurt." But you should do well against Northern Illinois and Idaho State, and Tyler Huntley has done that. Man, there, there were three plays that are sacks against Idaho State or that should have been sacks that had they been playing against anyone else, uh, Tyler Huntley would have been brought down. Uh, Tyler Huntley has been sensational with his decision-making, but I still think he's holding the ball too long. So you can get away with that, and you can spin out of pressure against Idaho State. But that is the concern is that you need to do that over the next eight to nine weeks consistently and avoid those sacks. I still I cannot think of a time where I've seen Tyler Huntley get into trouble and throw the ball out of bounds. And I, we talked about this for three years about Travis Wilson. Just stop throwing a ball into a dangerous window. If you get in trouble, if you feel the pressure, get outside the pocket and throw the ball away. I would still like to see Tyler Huntley do that. But you know, overall, I, I don't think he's going to be ad-libbing as much against USC. I think he understands that he's got to play uh, a little more of a. I think he's got to play a little closer to the vest because I think he got himself into trouble a bit against Idaho State, trying to make something out of nothing. And that's what a playmaker does, but Tyler Huntley doesn't have to do it all on his own.
0: I want you to go back to what you said about the tight ends. You started to say hide the tight ends, and you corrected yourself. What do you think of Utah's (laughs) tight ends? How much can they contribute here, and how much do they have to just not mess it up? They're great
2: catching the football. But, uh, again, going back to the Brian Thompsons, 82-yard catch. I mean, the Utes have a new right tackle in there, and Steenie Moala's playing pretty well in there. I still think the Utes are going to put Bam in there whenever he gets eligible. But on that play, Tyler Huntley got hit as he threw, and and there was some pressure on the right side. And when you go back and watch it, both tight ends missed the block. There's two tight ends on the right side, and they're blocking an outside rusher from Idaho State, and somehow the tight ends both end up facing each other like, if you're blocking side-by-side, side, you should have your shoulders parallel. These guys are facing each other. So, Keithy and Fotheringham, you know, it's elbows and ear holes with these tight ends. And uh, that's, that's common. It's not a red flag. But, yeah, the tight ends are, you know, that's always been the issue, not just under Andy Ludwig, but can you find guys that can block and catch the pass routes? Because if they're struggling in the blocking schemes, well, then you can't max protect which means you can't ask them to pass protected, which means you can't run the deeper routes. So these are all decisions that the youths will have to make and maybe just be more judicious with how they ask these tight ends to block. But, yeah, that's always been the issue. These tight ends get to catch passes, and so they're too much of a diva to go do the offensive line stuff. But they're too big and muscular to fit in with the wide receivers. So these guys have always been uh, sort of a position group with no home. But, yeah, the youths do need better blocking from their tight ends right now.
1: Compared to the traditional offensive linemen, are tight ends sissies?
2: (laughs) Okay, Okay. tight ends are sissies because they won't gain the weight. You've never met a tight end who says, yeah, you know what, coach, I'll gain an extra 40 pounds and I'll move to offensive tackle for the team. No, every tight end says, coach, you know, I think I'd like to drop down to maybe like 220 pounds. That was a really good wide receiver in high school. I got news for you, (laughs) tight ends. We were all good receivers in high school. <laughs> DJ, PK, you guys would be happy to know I once had 17 catches in a single season in high school football at tight end. I was amazing. Every single time I caught a pass, I got tackled from behind, though, and I realized I, I may have a dearth of speed.
0: Kyle Gunther, former uh, high school tight end and former Utah <laughs> offensive lineman, joins us here on 97.5 and 12.80 the zone. Is the, uh, is the Utah offensive line uh, going to blow big holes open in this team? Is this going to be pretty simple to, to call plays in this
2: game? Are they going to dominate? I think USC has the second-best D-line in the conference. And Utah's running a lot of unique stuff right now. They're, they're optioning guys, uh, meaning they're, they're purposefully letting guys go unblocked, and they're adjusting to different blitzes. Uh, the play that Zach Moss essentially scored on, it, to make it 10-3 to 3 or whatever it was, to, to get that first touchdown, I mean, Zach Moss had a 30- or 40-yard run where he essentially stepped out of bounds. So Idaho ran field smack. They brought a corner. They brought their outside linebacker. Field smack is what they call it because it's the middle linebacker. Sometimes it's the strong linebacker. Every team runs it. They run it from the field, and Idaho showed it. The Utes wide receivers called it out. You could see because the corner was coming, too. And so the tight end picked him up. The receiver crossed over. He ended up getting to the middle linebacker. Darren Paulo left the blitzing outside linebacker go because that was the player they were optioning. However, Idaho State timed it up pretty well. And Zach Moss essentially got hit in the backfield. And so that's a play that tells me, you know, that's not the offensive line's fault. That's a scheme thing. And what you do to counter that is you've got to mix up your snap count. If you see that the outside rusher, if you're Tyler Huntley, if you can see that he's leaning so far forward, he's timing this thing up, he's about to jump over the line of scrimmage, don't say hut. Wait an extra half millisecond so that his timing is off, and sometimes it's easier said than done. But those were some of the main issues I saw against Idaho State. Just The Utes were getting maybe a little too complacent with their snap count, so I think they should mix that up against USC. But the Utes' interior offensive line played very well against Idaho State and I do think they will have the advantage over USC I like USC's linebackers though I know they missed some tackles against BYU but they're a talented group so uh, I think Utah's linebackers have also been very talented they've been maybe the most pleasant surprise of the season overall you know talking about the Utes' defense but back to your question DJ I I think USC's D-line is the strength of their team outside of their wide receiving core and that's going to be a tough matchup. Remember last year, that athleticism showed itself in the form of J2 fellA scooping and scoring, and you realize, okay, that guy just outran everybody on Utah's offense. That's why he's a four-star player. Now, the Utes made a mistake. They gave up that play. They gave up the touchdown, and they were down 14 up into USC. They came back and won the game because of their scheme. But USC has the talent to accidentally score 21 points against anyone on their schedule. But, yes, I see the Utes running the ball well against USC tonight.
1: So, we've had a couple conference games being played, but mostly, and it's been non-conference. So, based on the non-conference going into now, which starts successfully for the Utes, the rest of the games are conference games. Handicap the South and the North.
2: The South is terrible. Uh, I told you, before the season, uh, I mean, I've said it for the last year and a half, UCLA is the worst team in the country. Chip Kelly is one of the worst coaches in the country. The only reason, like Athlon Sports picked UCLA second in the South. It's ludicrous. And every time you find out why, the media says, oh, well, you know, Chip Kelly's smart. Great. There's a lot of smart guys. The team doesn't respond to him. He's an arrogant, weird guy. He failed out twice in the NFL. There was the reports over the summer that the team hates him at UCLA, and that's true. UCLA's offense is so bad They have to motion guys every single play. They're moving tight ends, tackles over. It's a train wreck. Uh, Colorado just got out tough by Air Force. Uh, Arizona's a team that, my goodness, if you can just tackle Khalil Tate a few times, they have no chance to beat you. Arizona State really surprised me against Michigan State. Now, I'm not sure Michigan State's all that good. Utah State took them down to the wire last year, but... Jaden Daniels, he is dinking and dunking, the freshman quarterback for ASU. I feel like the youths can confuse him. Now, Keaton Slovis, who's every bit a freshman quarterback for USC, he got so confused, he threw a couple of interceptions right to guys at BYU. I want to say it was the Isaiah Kafusi interception. Slovis threw it into triple coverage. That's a guess. If you're guessing out there, you're going to guess wrong against this Utah secondary. And the Utes can take a defensive turnover. They can take that back, and they can score. Uh, I think the Utes will have a defensive score against USC tonight, but uh, I forget. Maybe I missed. I think I got all the teams in the South. I think the Utes are far better than everyone in the South. Now, uh, Oregon and Washington are the teams to beat in the North, but it doesn't appear like Washington has this ability to be all that diverse on offense. I'm up in the air on Cal, though. I'm wondering, you know, Cal had a a really mysterious win last year. Uh, They had a couple of of nice wins. I'm wondering if if that was a one-off for Cal to have beaten Washington earlier on. But uh, I still think Washington's the team to beat in the North. But uh, it's a much closer battle this year because it doesn't appear like Washington has the run game, which then opened everything up for their throw game a year ago.
0: You skipped over Washington State. Where do they fit in that?
2: Oh, okay. Yeah, Well, and Washington State's a tricky one. Did you guys see Gardner Minshew last night yeah. uh, for oh, sure. the Jags? I mean, it shows. And he was a transfer who got turned down from Alabama. They wanted him to be a coach. He came over from East Carolina and learned that Mike Leach system so quickly. Uh, I, I skipped over Washington State. You're right. And, and they're, they're a very tricky team for the youths to figure out. A year ago, they let Gardner Minshew throw the ball with impunity in the first half. They didn't bring enough pressure. I think they're going to change that this year now with Gage Gabrude and try to bring more pressure and get the ball out of his hands quicker. But that's a tough matchup for the Utes. I don't think Washington State's the best team in the North. I don't think they're in the top two in the North. But to your point, though, I think from the Utes' standpoint, it's a tricky matchup because that's always been the issue since the Utes have been in the Pac-12 is Can their third and fourth corners, the Utes, can they match up with Washington State and Arizona State running those crossing routes? When you run crossing routes over the middle of the field, let's call them an intermediate range, you really put pressure on man coverage. Because let's say I'm lined up over a receiver on the offense's right side and I'm playing man coverage, and he drags over the middle of the field all the way across to the left, and the other receiver does the same thing, well, I'm going to run into my own defensive back or linebacker. And yes, that's a pick play, but everybody does it, and it's, it's you know it's it's an unwritten rule. That's a way to attack the Utes in man coverage, and when you do that, then you force the Utes to go to zone, and they're not as good in zone coverage because they have the speed to cover man to man. Washington State runs those crossing routes very well, and that's a tough matchup for the Utes, and that's always going to be the issue. It's like, you know, how do you fight through a screen on a pick and roll? You know, how do you? How do you try to close out now on Mike Conley without you know, getting burned by Rudy Gobert there? It's kind of the same thing. Like, how do, you, how do you flip through that as a defensive back and not get picked by the other receiver? That's kind of the battle that the youths have fought with Washington State.
0: Well, Kyle, we appreciate a little bit of time. That was a lot of football knowledge. I'm going to have to think about that and process that. You were throwing stuff at us left and right there. Good work.
2: I will not apologize for the size of my brain, gentlemen. I appreciate you guys uh, having me on.
1: Good to talk to you, Kyle.
2: Thank you, Kyle. you guys. DJ, PK, appreciate you.
0: Kyle Gunther, Utah, former Utah offensive lineman, former high school tight end. <laughs> I got caught from behind every time.
1: So, all 17 game. times in that all, game?
0: All 17 times. <laughs> I got caught from behind. <laughs> that was funny. All right, DJ and PK, he really did throw a lot at us there. So you Ute fans, you want to uh, you want to analyze that and break it down and readjust your predictions? We can do that next. Eight five five three four zero zone. Grab your phone, use the use our app, use the open mic feature, and you can send your takes in. Uh, Jake's got the day off. Yak is off, and Buck is in. Adrian is grinding all day long. Good work, Adrian. I don't has think he has the
1: Day off. He
0: doesn't have. He has the morning off. I'll take that back. He's he's working this afternoon on uh, Scotty and Hans' show. So does not have the day off, but he does have the morning off. Uh, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280. The Zone. will Get your picks for this weekend's games next.
3: And now, attention. Top of the wire on 97.5, 1280. The Zone and the Zone Sports Network.
0: NFL football, Gardner Minshew throws a couple of early touchdown passes, and the Jaguars make it stand up. They beat the Titans 20-7. College football, Houston blows a 28-7 lead. Tulane comes back to win right at the end, 38-31. College football tonight, Utah USC, that's on FS1. At 7 o'clock, you can also flip around and find Air Force playing 20th-ranked Boise State tonight. Cougars in Washington, 1.30 on ABC tomorrow. Utah State and San Diego State Saturday night. That game is on CBS Sports Network. Longtime UCLA Athletic Director Dan Guerrero will retire in July. Major League Baseball, the Yankees pick up win number 100 on the year and clinch the East for the first time since 2012. Cardinals beat the Cubs 5-4. They lead the Cubs by four games in the National League Central Division. Milwaukee beat San Diego 5-1. So the Brewers are three games behind the cards. They now lead the Cubs by a game in the race for the second wildcard berth in the National League. Top of the Wire is brought to you by Action Plumbing. Action Plumbing, Heating, and Air are looking for skilled HVAC technicians, plumbers, and electricians to join the Action Superhero Team. Paid training, health, dental benefits, and a 401k match. Call today and join the Action Plumbing Superhero Team at 801-833-3333. That's Action Plumbing. It ends Monday, September 23rd, from noon to three. They're going to be at my hearing center in Sandy. That's at 8941 South, 700 East, Suite 204. Monday from noon to three. All right, PK. We just had Kyle Gunther on. Did he say anything that uh, changed your? I don't think he would have said anything that changed your mind, but maybe you did about uh, USC. Anything that tweaked your perception, your expectations going into the game.
1: That Utah is a bigger favorite now than when the season started. And if they win tonight, they should roll. This is a huge game. This is the most important game they've played since they've been a member of this conference. And if they get this thing done tonight, particularly if they get it done in eh, not necessarily overwhelming fashion, but comfortable fashion, dominating fashion, somewhere on that level, then it sends a message to the rest of the conference. We're the beast, particularly in the South, we're the beast, and we'll see who comes out of the North, and we'll catch you all that first Friday in December. That's the way I feel about this game.
0: I guess if there's anything he said, he I don't think he said that much to change my perception about this game, but I was surprised he didn't see Washington State as a stronger contender in the North. I get if you're a little... Uh, a little noncommittal on them if you're saying, well, who have they played this year? The schedule's been pretty soft out of the gate. It has been. Uh, they do have a lot of guys back from 11-2 and two team. So it, it seems like they'd at least be in the mix. If you don't want to make them the favorite, I mean, okay, but that would at least be in the mix. I was surprised that he, he, he skipped over them when I asked him about it. He still didn't really pump them up that much. That, that surprised me.
1: Yeah, I understand that. I think they're better than he thought, but that's one man's opinion, and so we'll see how it plays out. But
0: And that's the next game, so we can worry about that next week.
1: Yeah, really. it's To me, it is, uh, as they say, all about the Utes. And if they come out and just really lay it on the Trojans, then start dreaming big. This is a huge game, man, in terms of implications and messages sent to the rest of the conference. And messages that could change the course of Utah and could change the course of SC. Yeah. Am I overstating it, Ute fans? What's your confidence <laughs> level? How you hanging on? Where are you?
0: All right. Well, uh, I'll save the Ute fan who's, you know, maybe driving through one of the thunderstorms sweeping through here and thinks, yeah, I don't want to call right now. It's a little dicey out here. Ah, uh, they would still have Cal's defense. Even if you don't respect Cal's offense, you gotta love Cal's defense. It, uh, they look really good, and you still got Oregon and uh, Excuse me, you still got Washington. You don't play Oregon. You got Washington and Washington State on the schedule. So if You're you win fine. this, are, are you guaranteed nine and three? I would think so, but no, there's nine still and some. three.
1: Who's talking about nine and three? There's
0: still some
1: problems out there. You're just oh. totally dismissive of that
0: take. If they <laughs> roll tonight.
1: <laughs> What have problems out there. What problems? Alabama no, Wazoo had any problems? the next week. Wazoo
0: the next week.
1: BFD. Kyle, they lost four in a row to Leach. BFD. they, they lost six Leach's out of seven last... to
0: Chris Peterson. That, That's more what Kyle does that Lake matter?
1: BFD, Buck, right? Come on, man. Who cares? Big fetching deal. Who cares? Cal's defense is all that. Is it any better than Utah's? No. Is Utah's offense better than Cal's offense? Yes. Yes. Come on. Dream big for once in your life. Get yourself out of your little box that you stay in at all times. 13-0. Get life in a fast lane, man. Just jump aboard.
0: If they win this, you're going 13-0, three seed in the playoffs.
1: Not necessarily if they win it. I'm talking about if they dominate, if they really win comfortably. And we know in the middle of the third quarter, man, we're just playing it out to the clock strike zero zero zero, 0 And you'll know that feeling. We've all seen it. We all know when they're going to win, whatever team you're watching, who's in charge, who's owning the game. And the other team is just playing to play. They're not playing to win. So we'll have to see how the game plays out. But I'm saying if they do that – then, yes, dream big. If I'm a Ute fan and that's the case, I'm ecstatic. Bring on Washington State. They're all going to come on whether you bring them on or not, so who cares? They're going to be next up, and so you check them off. And if they win this, then it really, really sends a message to the rest of the world that this team is for real and capitalize for. And for you Ute fans, that is F O R.
0: Oh, I see what you did there. Okay. Important to have that little delineation right there for you fans.
1: Yeah. Because I've golfed with you. When I say four, you think F-O-R-E.
0: Look out. Incoming. (laughs) No kidding. We're out, and PK's like, DJ, over here. What? Get behind the tree. (laughs) Okay. All right. We'll get behind the tree. Who knows what's going to happen next.
1: Yeah, yeah, if you're ahead of somebody, you better be off to the side. So you better be, yeah, absolutely. That's it. I think this is a gigantic game, man. I am so fired up for this thing here. Sun's up now. Ain't no storms here, man. I'm looking out the window. Southern sunny
0: Southern California, living up to the uh, the nickname.
1: It never rains in Southern California. How many times I gotta tell you that? Jeez, the sun is up. I'm up. Everybody's up. This is a gigantic game. Norm Chow's up. I mean, we're only a I'm only about a mile apart from Norm, and i will be talking on the phone here with him in forty. Norm,
0: minutes. Norm, yeah, Norm's coming up at the top of the hour.
1: This is just gigantic. You fans, are you not jacked for this? This is the biggest game you've had since you've been in this conference. And if you get it, holy freak! Katie, bar the door. You giving me all these other things as to what can happen? I don't want to hear it this morning. Get off my radio, DJ.
0: 13-0, three seed. Clemson, Lee Corso's right. Why not? Because both you and I know how college football is, and we wouldn't pick anybody to go 13-0. <laughs> Alabama's won a bunch of national ties. Look how many of them they won with one loss. Okay, it so happens they can, to Bama.
1: If they dominate, maybe they can get in with one loss. We'll worry about that when that gets there. But you got to accumulate all these wins first. I'm just saying if they win comfortably, then we're already picking them to win the South. But then they could very well be the class of the conference. You might as well think that, man. I think in order to accomplish it, you have to think it too. And why wouldn't these guys think it? If they come out here on the Coliseum turf, on national television here on a Friday night, if they do all that, why in the world wouldn't you think that? I mean, what's wrong with thinking that? You don't have to run around and talk about it, but you can believe it in your heart, and it could be manifest out on the field. And I think that's what Utah is. I mean, Kyle's not going to come in here uh, tonight after the post game and the post game after they win and say, man, we got this conference. I mean, <laughs> He's I mean, absolutely I mean,
0: not going to say that. Right.
1: But there's no reason why you can't think it. I can go back to the spring of 2008 when I was with him and he told me, he said, if a couple things happen, we're going to be really good And they ended up going undefeated. Now, he told me unprompted because I rarely talk about football with him when I see him away from the field. I just don't get into that. There's work and then there's personal, right? I don't cross the two. But I remember he brought it up. He brought it up on his own and he was right. And I think that if they can win convincingly, that's probably the word that I'm looking for, win convincingly tonight... They should feel that this is our season and we're going to be something for the ages. What is wrong with thinking that? You don't have to run your mouth about it, but you can certainly believe it. And I think if they do that and win convincingly, they should believe that.
0: All right, you fans, are you going to believe that if they win convincingly tonight? Or is that what you believe if they win convincingly next week against Washington State? I totally get your point that that you don't have to have it done, which it goes back to what Brian Keel says. You just see things lining up, you know what you know, and you can feel it. And that can be true within a game, which is what he was talking about, but I think it's also true within a season. And so is it true for youth fans based on what they see tonight by, you know, 1030 or 11 o'clock? Or they got to see it against Washington State because, you know, USC's off the game, and we just had uh, Kyle talking about the team quitting on the coach. Do they have to see it against somebody like Washington State, who's got a lot of guys back from an 11-win team? And we'll probably, I assume, they're going to beat UCLA and be a perfect 4-0 and probably ranked around 15th in the country uh, when they come into Rice-Eccles Stadium in a week. We can get to that next. This is the game, or you're going to need one more after this. We'll get to that next, 97-5 and 1280 The Zone.
3: This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. Mike Uganen from The Athletic.
2: Explain this USC Trojan team to me. Are they dangerous? Are they not as good as we thought they were? What is Utah about to see?
1: I think Utah is about to see a team that, if it gets
3: hit in the mouth, can't really respond because it's not very physical. The fact that Utah easily handled a BYU team that beat USC, that, if I'm a Utes fan, I'm thinking, unless we mess up, we are going to physically dominate the line of scrimmage in this game. and I think that's exactly the case. I would be stunned
1: if USC beats Utah. Utah, I think, will be able to run the ball down USC's throat. I think they're going to shut down the USC running game, which means Slovis is going to be running for his life. I think Utah is going to win by at least two touchdowns.
3: Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to three. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. You're locked on to DJ and PK. Here we go, here we go. Utah's highest-rated, most listened-to sports radio show for over a decade. Whoa! Presented by WCF Insurance. Reminding you to be careful out there. This, this is 975-1280 the Zone. And the Zone Sports Network.
0: DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 the zone. All right, PK was just talking about it. If the Utes get a convincing win tonight, think big, dream big, expect big, or USC, it's a great brand name, it's a great logo, but they're really not all that. Wazoo, that's that's the proving ground. They get that done, and then they are. Dreaming big. Where are you? How are you hanging on? Youth fans. It's a classic. An oldie but a goodie. Number 10, the mighty Alaskan Youth says he's already on board. Choo-choo, the hype train. All aboard. He does not even need the USC game. He's already on board.
1: Okay, I'm a little reluctant to go there, but uh, talk to me later tonight. See, I believe that if they win convincingly. Then Washington State all the way down to Oregon State and all the teams in between, they're all individual tests because if you win convincingly, then you clearly are the class of the South. That is not even debatable. The argument becomes, are you the class of the conference? I think that if they win convincingly, yes, they are the class of the conference. And then every one of those eight remaining games becomes its own individual test because you are the class. And once you're the class... Everybody else is shooting for you, so they'll all present their own individual challenges. Isn't somebody as low as Oregon State and UC Los Angeles? Granted, I expect them to win both of those games, but once you've established yourself as the class on a given year, then everybody shoots for you, and then it becomes a huge game for them, because obviously then you climb up the rankings. If they win convincingly tonight, they're 10th now. They're most likely going to climb, right? They win next Uh, week. They'll probably climb uh, again. The
0: Georgia-Notre Dame loser. That would be the obvious team they would catch right away.
1: So they'll continue to climb, which means the target, and this is an old Majerus thing that he used to say over and over again, and he was absolutely 100% right. The target grows bigger and bigger. You become the biggest game on their schedule, maybe with the exception of the rivalries, because this conference, the great thing about this conference, unlike the other conferences out there, is that 10 of the 12 teams have a defined rival. Somebody has more. Somebody may have more, but they certainly have their own in-state games, and, and no other conference has that the way the Pac-10 have it. So it's still the ten of the twelve. But within that, once you become the class, then everybody shoots for you because that becomes a huge win for those guys. So they will, next week is a target, but then every single week is a target if they win convincingly because they will clearly be the class of the conference. So I'm not worried about, oh, well, they got to pass this test, they got to pass that test. If they win convincingly tonight, they'll have to pass eight more tests That's just the reality of it once you establish yourself as the class of the conference. So I don't care who's next week and the week after. Some of those teams may be tougher than others, but they're all going to be tough games because of who you are and what you represent, and they're all trying to derail you. Absolutely, that's the case. That's why this game is so gigantic. If I'm a Ute fan and you win convincingly, dream big, my fellow Ute fans, and I call you my fellow Ute fans because you are.
0: DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Norm Chow is coming up next. Stay with us.